Okay, here we are again on No Me Digas. So, Feely. Did you just do the intro? Well, I just, this is how I like start stuff. Um, no, just for so. purposes of editing, is that the intro? No, this is not the intro. Oh. Can we make it the intro? <laughs> sure. Okay, just to make it easier. <laughs> All right, so welcome. Welcome. Um, you know, normally I ask, you know, quién eres, but people should know you by now. I should hope so. <laughs> so. Can we be clear that we're under quarantine? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I still have to go to work. Well, you're under some quarantine. Some of us are in quarantine. Man, it's been. Well, this is the inequity of quarantining. It's it's, a, it's an important thing to mention. Well, yeah. My segue. I was thinking my segue would be like, yo, for everybody to stay home all week. Why don't you uh, binge watch Hentified? It will be your little guide. Yeah, totally. So, Actually, that we makes... Got, we got to speak to what's happening. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I'm touching my face as we I are talking. I can't stop touching myself. <laughs> ah, stupid. I know. Um, so, Hentified, though. Hentified. Um, so, so, so many feelings. Yeah, so, I mean, I was really excited when I saw the trailer. Like, yeah. it looked hilarious. It looked good. It looked strong. Like, it, I think what what really got me was, like, the visual aesthetic of, like, the folks in the trailer. Like, they were dark, short, tall. Like, right. it wasn't just, like, pale Latinx folks. Yeah. It was, like, these are folks that, like, I grew up with. That it, look like us. Right. Yeah. And, and was, talk like us. And that was amazing. Right. Right. Um, and even like the one character that they keep calling him Wero is brown as fuck. Yeah, he's the darkest one. <laughs> he's the darkest. Which is great. One. Which is great. Right. Because it really it really speaks to like the sort of way in which whiteness shows up. Yeah. Which um but I do have to say though, it wasn't as funny as the trailer made it out. Yeah. It was actually pretty serious. Right. Uh which, which it should be. I mean, yes, it should be, but I was like, whoa, this is it's pretty hardcore, and it's great. Um, I what I love about it is not stereotypical. Right. Uh, I mean, there's some, there's some aspects. Tropes. So, so like, let's but, let's dig in a little bit. Yeah. So like, I think the 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 thing that like sort of unnerved me a little bit was the lack of presence of parents. Like, it's just like all these grandkids and like mm. no parents, and I'm like, not all of us like didn't have parents. Right. Like, like one, I think Weddle's dad is like only available by cell phone you never actually see him but he's present right. in some ways so that that as a trope i wasn't really happy with well i think season two will bring him in the picture and well my thing is who's like so Weddle is the grandson yeah. but is it from like the dad is it like the grandfather's son or is it i think the so mom yeah the family tree's a little confusing so i mean yeah that is very unclear which is I guess part of our community too. Also, the queer woman, like her mom, who is she related to? <laughs> is like, I guess she's the one mother that shows up consistently. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But who is she related to? Who, though? who are you, queer woman right. of my dreams? Right. Who are you? Um, but I do appreciate the well that the queer line. I was. Yeah, um, it was really special. It was special, but also because she's an artist and she. Um, in a sense, she sells out yeah. to, you know... The well, she's, like, struggling with it. Right. She's yeah. struggling with it. I guess, how do we... So, how do we deal with, with uh, people that haven't seen it? Would, I don't want to have, like... Well, what... I... 
I mean, it's hard not to we talk, can't talk about, about it without talking about right. it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so for folks that haven't seen it yet, we're going to reveal some things. Right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. From that, the get go. I was going to say trigger warning, but that's not the right term. No, no, no. <laughs> like, Why well, I mean unless? It's going to get a real word. Weird. Here's a trigger warning, kids. <laughs> well, I guess like dear white people, we will be talking shit. <laughs> yeah, that's always the case. But- how does that change? I try not to, but I can't help it. It's just part of it's, it's part of our it's part of our healing. It's it is it's and, part of our existence. And like I mean, shit, we have to deal with it all the time, all the time, every day, every every day. A huevo, a huevo. <laughs> All right, well, now that we're through that, yeah, yeah, so, like, she sells out, but she's, like, struggling with it. She's, she like, an amazing artist, and, mm-hmm. like, she's not making any money, and she's, like, if I don't make money, I can't be an artist. That sucks. And she got to her mom, like, fucking constantly on her ass, like, mm-hmm. make money, make money, right. which I get. That's what my parents were always like, too. They were like, yo, like, we need money. What yeah. are you doing? Make money. What are you doing? Right. And her mom works in a sweatshop. Her mom works in a sweatshop. Which I was like, She was like, Whoa. heavy. And, like, people don't recognize that. Like, right. So I grew up in L.A., so, I, like, yeah. there's a lot of what was happening on scene that, like, I really appreciated. One of which is when I used to visit my mom at the hospital when she was at L.A. County Medical when she had breast cancer, we would walk around and we found all the sweatshops. And, yeah. like, there's sweatshops in Callejones. People know mm. that. But, like, that far out of downtown, like, I don't think people really wear the sweatshops. And we just walked by. Yeah. And we just looked through the door and you could see it. And it was like, what? Yeah, it's really fucked up. I wonder if there's sweatshops here. There has to be, there right? There has to be somewhere. Okay. Well, it's out like in Greater Minnesota. The sweatshops are like the meatpacking plans. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, yes. I do so a lot of reporting they on that. exist. Yeah. So much reporting on that. But it was, I, yeah, it was really interesting to see that. Um, and they were like trying to unionize for like a hot minute. And the mom was against was like, it because no, she no didn't want to lose her job. But Right. Which again is like, it's it's so important that they, they represent those conflicts. Right? Mm-hmm. That like, yeah, this artist is like trying to make money, but then she has to sell out to make money. Oh, shit. Right. But then the thing that she creates pisses off everybody, including your own community. Which, oh my God, that would have not happened. Like they would have graffitied that shit from like shit up. day Boy. one. Boy. So that I mean that was a little like that was a stretch. I was like they would that not that would have not have been up for that long. It was epic though. It was epic, and I mean I want a copy of it on a shirt. I know. But sure, I want, we should have somebody make that mural in our living room. <laughs> oh There's like a gaping God. hole in like the porch area was, that just needs to like. Right. Two brown dudes just make it out hard. It was awesome, but yeah, uh, I was like, that was that wouldn't have lasted a day, no, no. especially in in that area that they are implying that the that's where it was going to be at. Like, no, it was not going to last, not even a day. Um, but, um, but to be fair, nothing lasts for a day, right? That, that, <laughs> that's true. Right. Um, Despite I do the content. I appreciate that. Like the evil white guy was a gay guy, right? He was gay because. Um, I do have to say, like, just... What, how did you feel throughout the series? Like, what, what did it feel like to watch that show? To watch Head the Fight? I mean, it felt real. Um, did it feel satisfying? Did it feel painful? Did it feel, like, uplifting? I don't think I felt uplifted by it, um, but I... I do feel it, it was. It's a show meant for us. Yeah, so it's, talk, it's talking to us. It is talking to us, which is nice. Um, I caught myself just like giggling about yeah. like 
just like the inside jokes, you know, that nobody, you know, only we would get. You know what yeah, I mean? If we so, were watching it with the white people, we'd have to explain. Right. Uh, no, fuck no. No. <laughs> and that's the thing. I I actually liked watching it by myself because I think yeah. that's a show that you should that you shouldn't watch with people. I think you should watch it by yourself. Why is that? Um, because it gives you it gives you a moment to reflect on like mm. on scenes. You know what I mean? Like mm. every time like the queer woman had a conflict with her mother, like I. You know, I was reflecting about like my history with like my parents mm. in terms of being an artist. And, so you like, brought up. So there's like, yeah, I think that's a good point too. That like, there's so many. So no matter who you are, as long as you're Latinx, there's so many points of identification yeah. to like reflect on. Yeah, totally. So I, I totally gravitated towards the relationship with the father because it reminded me of my dad. Yeah. And like his old schoolness and like his stubbornness mm-hmm. and all that like stupidity, but like also like being really supportive, but being supportive in like this a weird way that didn't make sense. Like he's giving all the money to what he thought. Right. Not supporting like the other kid, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Right. Yeah, that's weird. Um, but it's all, I totally get it. Right. Well, I also appreciated that the like the there wasn't a lot of machismoism in the show. Right. That's you know? a big trope that like, is, shows up way too often. Yeah, and I love that it shows that like not all Latino men are terrible. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like present you, company included. <laughs> It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like not all, you know, not all men are homophobic. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I mean, and I do like the way they treat the homophobia. I mean, they don't, there's not a lot of violence. Right. Well, actually, it's, no, there's no violence there's no in violence it. At all. Well, the only violence was when the Juanito punched the, the chef guy. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I appreciated that, um, and I just appreciate that it's um, it's a really important show for what's happening right now, but also I worry about the future of the show. I mean, I know season two has been renewed, but I mean, how long is this show going to last? Um, mean, that's like the cool thing about doing shows not on network is there's a different, there's a different sort of... Uh, metric by which you judge success and therefore yeah. renew. Yeah. If it was a network show, it would have been done by now. Right. Like the George Lopez show, which I didn't really enjoy. No, I didn't either. Or, or yeah. Uh, did you ever see Cristela? No. Oh my God, that show was actually really good. Cristela Alonso. Um, what was it? It was on ABC, Mexican family. She's living with her sister and her husband and what her family. Uh, about five years ago. Uh, um, it was one season. Um, yeah. What that comedian, they call him Fluffy. Um, oh, Jorge Iglesias. Yeah, Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah, he, he was, has a show on Netflix now, too. Oh, it's awful. It's yeah, pretty bad. But Griselo's actually really good. She's a she's a lawyer, and she takes an internship um, at a white law firm there in Dallas. Um, and it was... It was another show. It was catered towards Mexicans mm. because honestly, only Mexicans would understand the jokes on the show. Yeah, yeah. And then she starts dating a white guy, and like, Ay. there's even jokes about like the mom like is so happy that she's dating a white guy, Finally. you know. But of course, it didn't last very long because the ratings were low. Yeah, because that's, that's why Netflix is different. That's yeah. why it allows it to be more sustainable. Right, because that's the thing. I was really happy Cristela was on, but I knew it wasn't gonna last. Yeah, because as I was watching it. It is. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and as we know, like if a show is very specific, it's not going to last. Um, like living single, you know what I mean? Like, you know, all black cast, and of course they were competing against Friends, which right, Friends not work. Friends went on for like I don't know how well, many it's years. Still massively in syndication, like, right? It's not. Yeah, it's not died. Right. 
Well, it also reminds me. So, like, Hulu did a like Latinx show called Islos. Ah. Yeah. I liked it for a little uh, bit. I hated it. I, well, yeah. I mean, after analyzing it, yeah, it sucks. Right. But it was like, because it was like really close to where I grew up, too. So right. it was another, another point of identification. And I was like, they're making up words. Like, right. no one ever said that. Like, who was this speaking to? It wasn't speaking to me. No, it wasn't speaking to My no. sister did like it a lot because she sort of enjoyed it, but like. I sort of enjoyed it too. Well, I enjoyed season one, and then season two was, eh. but then um, somebody gets pregnant. Yeah. Obviously. Well, like, the one that got pregnant, she that actor, she's white. Oh, that's right. They also did that too. Yeah, and I was like, wait a minute, wait, what? Uh, and then like they made her the um, the main character in the rest of the seasons. Oh, really? Yeah, Daniela Vega is her name, and she changed her name. Oh, that's right. Like years ago, I for, I forgot her real name, but she changed it to sound more Latina, and mm. she's not Latina. I wonder if I should change my name to sound more Latino. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Filiberto <laughs> Nolasco so Gomez is no, The Gomez Latino. part is pretty common. Filiberto is way more obscure. I don't know. I think you have a Latino name. <laughs> I know I have a Latino name, but like a more commonly Latino name. Como que Ramirez. Jose Enriquez Gomez. That's my name now. Okay. My pen name used to be Relampago Sanchez. De la O. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, that show was a little complicated. So, I, you know, I appreciate uh, the Fighters moving the needle a lot in terms yeah. of just like. I really, really abhor the word authenticity, but something that's closer to uh, the day-to-day experience of what people are actually dealing with. Right. Um, well, and the thing is that makes me really happy is that it's just not hentification or, wait, did I say it right? Hentified. That's yeah, the name of the show. Hentified. Um, that's not the only show that's going on right now. You oh, know, there was there's one day at a time, which... Oh, yeah. Talking about that for a while. Which, I mean, it, it made, like... It made all these like headlines when it got canceled, and now like the pop network bought it, so it's going to be on another network. And then Disney Plus has a Diary of a Future President, which is about a Latino family, um, and the main um, character is a 13-year-old girl. Mm. Um, and I was really surprised because her older brother turns out to be queer. Oh, no. And he's in middle school and he's going through all these like feelings, you know, as a 14-year-old right. boy realizing that he's gay. I couldn't believe Disney Plus went there. I was like, no way. So I'm in love with that show. But One Day at a Time also has a queer character. Mm. Uh, the daughter in that show is queer. So it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm in shock that these shows are happening, that they're, A, they're showcasing Latino families, but also they're showing, they're showcasing queer, queer children in the Latino community. Um, But I do have to say the one thing that does bother me, but I completely understand why they're doing it. There is a white presence in each show. Like Diary of Future President, um, the mom, well, the father dies, so he's not in the picture, and the mom's dating a white man. Mm-hmm. And then, in one day at a time, there is like the neighbor who's this, who's a white man who basically just comes in all the time, like unannounced and like just little cameos and shit. Yeah, so he has there's a he there's a huge presence of him throughout the show, but of course it's because in order for a show to be successful, there has to be some sort of white presence because otherwise yeah, otherwise 
it's not going to work. You need a point of identification for right. the broader audience. Right. Well, I mean, in Hentify, too, the white guy is the annoying villain. Right. Which is, like, basically is awesome. all the white people we deal with. Right. The annoying villain. Right. It's, you know, they're I mean, all well-meaning and right. all this shit. And that's the thing. He's like, very well-meaning yeah. and really annoying. Super he has enthusiastic. All this money, and, and he's money. giving it to, like... He's like, I'm going to help the fucking right. old lady that runs this little grocery <laughs> store or whatever. She doesn't even know. <laughs> Right, it's ah, uh, it's the classic story. It's it the challenge is. of what we deal with. Like I, you know, this is the thing that I always tell people that like the day to day sort of indignities that I deal with as a person of color now living in the Midwest isn't anybody calling me wetback or anything like that. It's like the sort of the passive the, aggressiveness, the passive aggressiveness, the the sort of really aggressive ignorance that doesn't understand itself as ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Even among people of color, when I that I interact here too, that just haven't had a lot of exposure to Latinx uh, communities, and therefore just don't know that there's a difference between Hispanic and Latinx. Right. That to me is like violent. <laughs> like it's angering for me, and it's hard to deal with. But I also have to know that people just don't know what the fuck they're doing, and so I have to figure out how to like deal with my emotions as they're rising, and yeah. deal with my heart rate as it's increasing on a daily basis. I also um, think that. It's, I've well, as an artist, I've run into um, the conflict with other Latino artists where they are kind of using their identity as a trope. Yeah. To get ahead. Where people make themselves like caricatures. Yeah. And I definitely have experienced like uh, folks of color. I mean, definitely in LA, but more so here. It's a little more. It's been more obvious to me or more striking of how people appropriate like urban Latinx culture LA culture and I'm just like uh, right because we're not in LA those are words that just come out of my mouth because that's where I grew up like <laughs> you're sort of taking them to try to be more appealing to whiteness and get more money out of whiteness right and this is just how it exists yeah like there's a big distinction between that Which... so the appropriation of people of color culture within people of color is also <laughs> another like really wacky conversation I don't even know where to begin with that one. I know. <laughs> like, That's how it's, wild it is. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, but I mean, I mean, at the same time, I get it, though, because how else are you supposed to get ahead in life? You know, like, it's one of those, like, do what you can, do what you know. But... At the same time, no, it's like. Uh, but that's, I think, the big, the best part of the show is it really represents that tension. Right. That people are need to make choices. Right. It's like either you, you know, either the homegirl, what's her name, the, the queer woman. I forgot her name. Either you make Rude. some art or nobody's getting bread. Right. And you make art for a really appropriate, fucked up white guy, or you don't eat. Right. True. Right. That's you don't that's survive. A tough decision. Yeah. And so I want to honor and like respect what that is, but it's also like also needs to be evaluated and she evaluated it too and at the end she's like fuck this right she still, you know she also took the money so you know that's cool she did take the money she's like here's my money but <laughs> damn fuck this so she had her own consciousness raising as right. she was scrambling and struggling right I did well mixed emotions with her girlfriend not being supportive um, I mean, I, I under the thing is like I understand where that character is coming from. Uh, you know, the neighborhood's being is being gentrified, and she's trying to stop it. But I just, I don't know. For me, I feel like it's we're. I mean, you see it here. We're getting gentrified. Like the neighborhoods are getting gentrified, and there's really not much we can do. Um, I just, I think we just need to. Kind of like, well, roll with it. I mean, I don't know. I could, I say we roll with it, but just somehow try to 
I'm trying to make changes, but I mean, I don't even know how to like say yeah, this. I mean, you're sort of evidencing how difficult it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no real solution here. There is not. That's what makes it so hard. And that's what I always tell. That's what I always say is that like in capitalism, there are no good choices. No. You make a choice, you stick by it. At least you can have your integrity. Right. At least you can stick by your shit. But like, there's no good choices for us. No. Like I, you know, I bought this house. You did. And like, we're in a mostly white neighborhood, so I feel like I'm diversifying it in some way, but also gentrifying it because everyone here has been here for a long time, and yeah. I'm part of the property rates increasing and making Minneapolis more affordable. Yeah. And I'm also buying Indian land and that's or native land and that's kind of a problem for me. I'm not really happy about that, but like what the fuck else am I supposed to do? I don't want to pay rent to somebody making money off me. No. You know. At least right. you know you're paying rent to me and like you know where that money's going to. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's no good choices here. No. There is not. But speaking of the girlfriend though, she's also black. That's true. She's also black Latinx. She's, and that, yeah. that was like Afro Latinx, and that was like real big deal to me. It was that like, is a huge that deal. Because um, yeah, that show talks about so many things. And they have uh, this like really sweet relationship, and it's like so tender. And, yeah, like, they've kind. been together since they were children, yeah. which is something that you don't. It's just so special. You don't see that. You definitely don't see that in the queer community. And as adults, they're struggling to figure out how the relationship works as they're yep. like, the political ideas are developing and whatever yep. else. But her not supporting her got her to radicalize. Yeah. You know? That's true. Um, I just... The, <laughs> the whole tacos thing. What was it? Like, the chicken masala. Tikka masala. <laughs> yeah, chicken tikka masala. God, that was funny. It was funny. Um... I actually want to talk about the mariachi character, yeah. the one. Oh man, because oh, speak. It breaks my heart. It does because you, you know, you talked about uh, how we don't have, like we, the sweatshops we see here, are the meatpacking plants, and like mm. in the show, wasn't he going to like a suburb to yeah, work at go, one of those plants? Well, he was going to go way out to like I think Riverside or Coachella or something. Like yes, yeah, like three hours away from LA. Yeah. yeah. And even the phone call that he was having with his cousin, like he's like, "Yeah, you might lose your hand, but I mean, it's really <laughs> right. good. It's really good pay." Right. That's what's happening right here in the Midwest. Yeah, it's it's a really scary thing. I know, his little son's in love, and Aww, like, he's struggling he with is. it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, and I love how even like they talk about like the how the mariachi band has to like gentrify themselves and start right. playing. They did like a cover. Pop 40 shit. Oh my god, <laughs> which was hilarious and like interesting, but also like oh god, it's all really weird and fucked up. Because I need my classicos. I right. Need, I, need, I wish there was a mariachi guy just roaming around and I can be yeah. like, hey, I'll, I'll give you a tenor and play uh, Cerrito Lindo. Right. Or whatever. That's what my mom loved. It makes right. me feel good. And I think that's the difference between Ali and here because for me. I would love to see mariachi bands playing, like, the classics. Right. If I saw mariachi band playing, like, whatever they played that one time, I don't... I'd be angry, actually. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> like, walk I would out. Really I, would, I would take money from their basket. I'd be like, right. no. I'd be like, no, no, no. no. But in LA, though, I could see that being a thing. Yeah, and homies gotta make money. Right. Right? Like, I get it. But I just... I, I think, get it. I get it, man. That's right. I get it, but, like, it's just hard to accept. Yeah. Um, it's just here for me. I know, like, I've embraced my culture even more moving here than I yeah. did in El Paso. Because in El Paso, I was surrounded by it. Whereas here, I'm not. Um, and I also feel that I always have to, like, keep reminding myself <laughs> that my culture exists. And also keep reminding everybody around me that my culture exists and it's real. 
and it's exhausting. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I definitely, one of the things about moving to Minneapolis is I've had to really not have to, like, it's been uh, an important journey to make sense of what it means for me to be Mexican because it's always in question. Yeah. And it's not in a way that wasn't in Los Angeles at all because I'm surrounded by Mexicans. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But here it's always in question. So I have to figure out how to articulate who I am, what I am, Mm -hmm. what I I think I need to fight for, what I think is just not my fight. Yeah. Like I just like, for example, uh, dating white women that don't speak Spanish. I realized how much of a limitation and emotional hindrance that was for me. Mm. And I never had to really think about that. Yeah. So now it's like, I don't really care who I'm dating or where they're coming from, but they have to be able to speak some Spanish because I don't want that part of me not to be visible and like present in our relationship. Yeah. For example. Yeah. But I just didn't know that that was so important for me in LA because there's just Spanish everywhere. Right. Like there's signs that say in East LA, like, hablamos inglés. (laughs) Yeah. Or I think actually it's in English. It says English spoken here. <laughs> we speak <laughs> For the poor English. lost hipsters that just like don't know where they're going. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, that's where I grew up. So like, We speak English. <laughs> like not having Spanish as a normative language for people is like really confusing for me. Yeah. It took me a lot of adjustment to figure out what that means for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's a lot of adjustment that we have to make living here. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me. But a clarification of who we are too. Which is liberating in some ways, but also just exhausting in others. It's exhausting, but it also just motivates motivates me to make more art um, because it's important. We are well, we're losing art. I'm losing art as we speak because of this virus. Like it's yeah, we're using the opportunities to present art. Um. So it's. I don't know. We live in scary times right now. Um, I'm still confused by this toilet paper situation. Yeah. What's um, why, so I, white people, <laughs> white people for real. Like this is this is straight up to you. Why are y'all buying so much toilet paper? Like I've been asking around all week. I'm a journalist. Like this is an important question because I don't understand the pandemic around it. And maybe because I'm privileged because I forgot that there's a giant bale of toilet paper in the basement that Sergio <laughs> gave me, and I've completely forgot about that, so I don't have to worry about it. But like, why? Please write in the comment section. <laughs> For real. Like, I just really want to know. I don't understand it either. Um, but, I mean, I went to Trader Joe's today, and Trader Joe's does have toilet paper again, so I guess we are coin- We're coming back to normal. We're going to try to get this podcast out today, so <laughs> right. run to Trader Joe's run now. To Trader you Joe's just got the word. Now. Go. Go to Trader Joe's. Oh, Get some soy riso because it's good for you. Right, it's ridiculous. Um, and then they all take the, like I was talking about somebody somebody about this last night. Like they were like, yeah, white people take all the pasta. Why don't they take frijoles? <laughs> frijoles are way better for you. <laughs> Minerals, nutrients, fiber, protein. Yeah. Why pasta? Is it because it's easy to make? You think? <laughs> I guess so, but like it's perishable, right? Or it's non-perishable. I forget those terms. Non-perishable. You can put it somewhere away for a long time. Yeah. But that's also true for beans. Right. Well, yeah. And I, you, you both need a, you need a heat source for both of them, so there's no distinction there. Yeah. So why? I I don't know. This is for you, white people. <laughs> Buy some beans. Buy beans. It's better for you. I'm not, I'm not a nutritionist or anything. There's even like, pasta that's made out of beans. Right, the lentil ones. But they're not, you said they're not very good, though. No, yeah? they're not. There's also like ones that are made with black beans, black bean pasta. It tastes like beans. Just make beans. But in- <laughs> Just make beans. 
Yes. And watch Hentified. Watch Hentified. Make beans. Make beans. And rice. Well, so that, so like a, a big part of that show that like I didn't know how to feel about it because I was just like, of course they did this, but like, of course they did this was when uh, Grandpa is going to get deported. Oh. Um, you know? It's like, yeah. It's like, why do you have to do that? But you have to do that. You have to. You have, have to, just in the way things are right now. Yeah. Speaking of fear and anxiety yeah. about what's happening now. Yeah. Oh, Superstar did it too. That show on NBC. They did it. They did a they did deportation. A, thing? Oh, they did. It was really sad. Uh, the character oh, wasn't Latino. Uh, he was Filipino. Was Cro- oh, I thought he was Croatian. N- no. Um, Just kidding. Um, Mateo is his name, and um, I mean they did it where like they were the because he knows about like a Walmart store, right? And they were they're trying to I union. Thought it was like more of a Costco store. No, it's a Walmart. Okay, okay. Cause it's called like Cloud Nine. It's okay, it's so Walmart. Blue vests. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and they were trying to unionize, so like corporate decided to send ice to the mm. store. And like they made this whole thing. They were trying to like hide him because everybody knew he was illegal. And like they were running around the tour. Oh, sorry. Ah, you're right. Mm. I cannot believe I said that. I got us on. I. Uh, I'm not out. I know. Well, no, you shouldn't. Like, call me out on my shit. Yeah, it's happening. Damn. Um, call out alert. God, I feel bad. At the same time, well, that, though. Can we talk about why that's important? Well, because it's, like, really offensive. I just said something really offensive, mm. you know? And, and, yeah, and we don't recognize these uh, these questions of illegalisms aren't really important. It's right. just that they don't have papeles. It's not that they're, right. they don't exist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so my apologies. Well, it's a good it's a good example of how we internalize things. No, it is. It is. Yeah. Um but again, my apologies, but undocumented. Um so they were like trying to hide him and eventually, you know, they're like surrounding they're surrounding him so they they arrest him and it's like this I mean it's a huge deal. Yeah. It's oh man, it was I mean I was heartbroken. Yeah. But, um, and they talk about it, they, they bring him back somehow, you know, <laughs> of course, you know. <laughs> the yeah. magical goyote brought him back. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, they never really deported him. He was just, like, oh, in prison, basically, the, wasn't, at, a, yeah. at one of those, you know, at a, one of those holds. Um, and they brought him back. But, I mean, they still talk about it through the whole show. Um, I think it's amazing that that subject is um, out there. Um yeah, wow. I still can't believe I said that. <laughs> I'm still like, it's wow, okay. it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. No, you know. But we need, this is why we call in tour, not right. call out. Right. We call in. Right. No, but it was really, it was really painful to see that in that store, in the show, in Hentified. Mm-hmm. Abuelito being. Yeah, and that's how they end it, too. So now we have to wait. He like lost his store. Yeah. No tiene papeles. And nobody knows where he is. <laughs> I, oh, we didn't even talk about that one character for she wants to move to, is it San Francisco? Stanford. Stanford, yeah. Yeah. And the father is She's just... She's preggers, and the baby daddy is like, I don't know. Right. Oh, I love that he was like, you need to go. But he goes through his own... Tra- he, goes, right. he goes through his whole transformation throughout the course of the series. Mm-hmm. It's like really special, because at first he's like... He is like the sort of like machista archetype being like, what's up, girl, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, nah, girl. You gotta do what's best. Right. And he continues that language through the whole yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. It's very consistent. I love that actor though. He was in that movie Hamlet too. I was wondering where he was from. Yeah, he he's really good at playing the 
like mm. the quote quote cholo character. Yeah, he's, he's very much. He's, he's very cholified in many of yeah, his roles. He was yeah cholified in Hamlet too. But what's funny about that movie in Hamlet too? He's like cholified at school, but like his parents are both professors. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> like it's, That's funny. It's, actually, it's pretty funny. <laughs> what's going on? What did you look at? I was just looking at the rest. Uh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, this weather, man. Yeah. It looks nice out, but it's I can not. see snow out the window. I mean, somebody's backyard has a lot of ice still back there. It's weird. What else do I like about the show? Hit the fight. I like everything about the show. I like everything. I love the little girl. Yeah, she's really sweet. She's... Well, I also love that the age difference between the little girl and her sister. Mm-hmm. So, because they also don't talk about the father. Yeah, it's just a weird thing that mm-hmm. they just don't bring up. Yeah, the family relations, and it's kind of confusing to track. <laughs> oh, and then they have the butch, uh, the butch uh, cooker, chef. <laughs> She's hilarious. Yeah, she is I love hilarious. Her so much. Well, and that's the other thing with that other show, Diary of a Future President. There's. Um, there's a lot of queer characters in that show. They're all side characters, so they have a, you know, um, a butch representing person um, as a teacher. There's a lesbian couple. Um, so much Latino queerness is happening. Yeah. It's awesome. No, it's great. <laughs> it's it's great. so magical. Uh, but yeah, I'm wondering how long it's gonna last. I because that's the one thing that I've realized about Latino culture in like the media and in the entertainment industry. It's it comes and goes. Yeah, it's definitely like waves. Yeah. yeah. So right now, well, I'm I'm reminded of like uh, One Day Without a Mexican, which was just a weird movie. Oh, that was a weird ass really movie. Prim- I didn't. Mm. I liked some parts of it. Well, it's like this movie isn't for me because all the characters I identify with disappear. This isn't for me. No, actually, they're, no. They're literally all gone. Yeah, no, the movie was it's all not. parts of the film. Yeah. It's like this stupid analogy and it's like gory about. I was like, no, we're not all like. I don't know. A day without a Mexican. Yeah, I remember watching that movie and was very disappointed. But it. Like any other, like any other culture in the United States, we play a lot of our heritage and our folk. The folks that we identify with play a lot of roles. Mm-hmm. And if all the Mexicans disappeared from Minnesota, not only would it be like a lot of service workers be gone, but it'd also be like people like you and me that create culture. That like I publish news every day and pretty provocative news. Like mm-hmm. it's not just service work that we do, and yeah. that work is dignified and important. But like to to limit the conversation around certain tropes is a problem. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, that yeah, that's very true. Um, but I think we're not we're not there yet as a country, though. Like, because most people still see like Latinos just working in like the service industry, working in the fields, when they don't really understand that there's more of us actually. Well, they don't want to believe that you and I are also part of that community. Right. That's what's so weird about it. Right. It's like this so selective. Right. You know. Yeah. Like when I used to, I was working with an organization that I will not name. Okay. <laughs> uh, that works with incarcerated, uh, formerly incarcerated folks, and every time I would go to a meeting to meet with this person that I will not name, that was running it in in preparation for its opening, 
uh, they would always say, oh, I just kind of forgot you're formerly incarcerated. And I was like, that's a problem. Just because I don't fit this, like, stereotype of who ends up in jail and or prison. Like, Mm -hmm. no, like, I'm also part of that community, too. I'm a Mm -hmm. legitimate part of that community, and I represent that community as well. Yeah. Like, hmm. No. Yeah. So they just, they like, you know, they, they move the needle around just to accommodate. They're just to, just to further and enable their stereotypes. Yeah. And that's a big problem. Yeah, there was a person at work, of course, I'm not going to name them, but um, they, they were having a lot of issues with, um, with work. And they, one of the, they went to um, one of the supervisors and they said that they felt uncomfortable dealing with um, all the supervisors because they were all cis white men. And I'm part of, I was included in oh, that group. Oh. And I was like, this fucker. This motherfucker. Just identified me as cis and white? Oh, oh hell no. God. Like, what? That's, int- that's violent. I- <laughs> No, no, no. I was so... I am more. I was outraged. I was like, Oh, you never told me about this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was outraged. How could you have hidden this from me? Well, because obviously I'm still... It's so so raw. (laughs) It's so raw. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how dare you? I am not white. But the thing is, I've... I mean, that's... And yeah, like, I'm... Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm offended when people think I'm white. Like, yeah. Like, just sorry. And there's a lot of layers to it, but, at, at, you know, at the base root of it, it's like, no, that's not okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes people think I'm Filipino. It hasn't happened in a long time. And it's like, all right, whatever. But, like, you say I'm white? Yeah. White? Mm-hmm. No. No, 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 no. Yeah, they think I'm, like, Italian or something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Sicilian. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, and what have I heard? It's, oh, because you don't, you don't talk Mexican. You don't talk like you're Mexican. Como que? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have an accent. Como que? Como que? Which, I mean, the reason why I don't have an accent was because I had to go through speech therapy when I was, like, in third grade. So from third grade to sixth grade. I was seeing like a speech therapist while I was in school. They would like pull me out like on like Wednesdays and Thursdays and mm. I would go to a speech therapist for like an hour. Did you have like a stutter or something before? Or? I had a lisp. Um, like my S's were... So you sounded gayer when you were I a kid? I did. They took... <laughs> I did. Like my mom said that I sounded like Sylvester the cat. Like, but, yeah. But I had, a, I had a really bad lisp. Which I never... I mean, I never noticed. Um, right. But... But even like a person with a lisp, I don't, I didn't understand what the problem was. So I didn't understand why I had to yeah, go to speech therapy for it's it. It's really intense. Um, and even like my, I remember like in sixth grade, I was still going and like that speech therapist was like, I don't think you need to come here anymore. Like you, you, I personally think you sound fine. Well, you know, and for a lot of us, there's a certain, I think our generation, at least in Los Angeles, like for many of us that grew up speaking Spanish, they would put us in like uh, special ed. Yeah. Because they mm. considered speaking Spanish a disability in some way, mm-hmm. which is a whole other bag of bullshit. Well, when I was in pre-K, <laughs> they put me in an English speaking class, but apparently I was so... Like I was, I was shy, I guess, and I didn't really speak, so they thought I didn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> so they put me in a Spanish class, and my mom 
had to go to this, you know, had to go and like explain, like, no, he understands what you're saying. He's just not listening to you. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit he about doesn't you. Care. He's already sassy. <laughs> so basically, I was just being sassy when I was like four <laughs> or five years old. So they thought they took that. They didn't understand that I was being sassy. They just thought I didn't know how to speak English. When in reality, I just, I just didn't care what they were saying. Well, I mean, you know, my mom was very. Um, She's like really elitist. Like she grew up middle class in Mexico, and so, you know, coming to the United States, being a working class immigrant, was not sort of comfortable for her. Yeah. And so when they put me in bilingual ed, she would like march over there and be like, "No, and I'm not English." And so they put me in English only classes. Yeah. Which she thought was like up, which it is in some ways, but it's also just a, a manifestation of a lot of like. Problematic thinking. Yeah. Did you have white teachers? Exclusively. Yeah. <clears throat> All of, yeah, for everything. Even the Spanish, even the bilingual classes were white teachers. Really? I think there was like one Filipina. <laughs> I think one. Um, like I think. This is Duckworth or some shit. I don't even know. Yeah. It was, was, like, it was like a lady, our preschool teacher was called Miss, we always said Miss Miller, and one day my brother was like, you know, it's just Miller. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, most of my teachers were white. Um, and I remember like there was, and it always stuck because in sixth grade we had this one girl, Diana, who was, she was in what we would call like Spanish classes, you know, and you know, she, she moved from Spanish classes to the English class. And one time, um, our teacher was trying to give her praise and she was like, you know, I just have to honor Diana because, you know, she she worked so hard to move up from the Spanish class to like the English class. Uh, and I, know, and I remember like, all, I mean, being like sassy with all the girls, of course, like making fun of the teacher, like in lunch break, like, oh, Congratulations, Diana. You know how to speak English. Like, hablas <laughs> inglés. You know, and she's like, she, like, she was like, pinchy pendeja. Like, you know, like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I definitely experienced that where, like, <laughs> like, you know, white women are like, oh my God, your English is so good. <laughs> you said your parents are Mexican? Yeah. Oh, it happened in college, too. This, my, my white professor, theater professor, um, she was giving me feedback on my paper and she said she said yeah i understand look from from reading your papers you know i'm really proud because it appears that english isn't your first language <laughs> and i was like oh actually it, it's like no it girl it is right exactly <laughs> i was this like is about so, class not race right Equal i was like a. sorry that my writing isn't up to isn't up your to standards but theater instructor right exactly whom loved the Mexican culture of course they oh do. she was obsessed oh, she, them a taco. They'll be happy she grew up lives. in San Antonio of course and she, did. she just she loved the Mexican culture because it's so welcoming right mm-hmm. that's nice yeah I'm sure we are yeah we're very welcoming and my first role was a maid because they don't speak <laughs> Spanish yeah if they spoke Spanish, they know we're not welcoming. Right, exactly. Because she didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> she didn't know. And I was she like, didn't know all that shit we were saying. Right, they were talking so much shit about you, you just did not even know. Well, so, like, going back to Hentified. Yeah. I, one of the things that I really enjoyed, too, was, like, Wedito, the sort of dark character mm-hmm. in the kitchen. And they're like, you're not really Latino. And they're, they're not even really Latino. They're all, like, Venezuelan <laughs> right. or whatever the fuck else. Like, you're like, not, really not really Mexican. Latino, but, like, yeah, Mexican. Yeah. And so they have this Mexican contest. <laughs> 
which I think is hilarious because we've all done that in one way or another. Oh, for right? sure. Like, how do we prove that we're actually Mexican? It's why I became a Mexican citizen because I was tired of people questioning my, like, not even Mexican folks, but, like, here I'd go on dates with white women and they'd be like, but you're not really Mexican. Yeah. And that's so I got, I literally was like, I knew about getting citizenship. I knew I could do it. And mm-hmm. I, that finally motivated me because I was like, I'm going to keep this passport on me. And if any one of them questions whether I'm Mexican, I'm going to throw that passport on the table and be like, certified. In any case, I thought it was hilarious because like he, his sort of struggle is to go through this entire process of working with a kitchen, aspiring to whiteness, mm-hmm. right? Aspiring to these ideas of like Michelin stars and all this shit. Right. Yeah. And he finally just starts connecting with the crew and he's like, has like a political awakening and like confronts the boss who's also like extremely prejudiced. Yeah. Extremely hostile, extremely bigoted. Mm-hmm. And tells him what's up. And that, that sort of arc was amazing to me. It was great to watch. Yeah. He's also European. What? The the chef. Oh, the chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, so right, right, right. I appreciated that as well. Right, 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 right. No, I love that. I love that. He was like drinking tequila and like eating all these chiles and stuff. <laughs> Dancing. Dancing. Yeah, proving everything. <laughs> and it's, it's also like his own journey of like, actually, I am brown. Right. Whoops. Yeah. Because that's the one thing I don't think he realized that either. He didn't, know, he didn't realize it. He didn't realize it was brown. Because like growing up, because I was aspiring to college and because I used multisyllabic words in English a lot, like a lot of my friends were like, oh, you're so white, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, I talked about like how growing up we used to sell vitamins at the flea market in San Fernando all the time. Yeah. Or that we even knew though every Sunday. And then a couple of my friends were like, wait, you're actually, you actually are Mexican. And I was like, I knew that. I'm trying to get to college. Like, I'm trying to just do better by the whatever conditions we say means do better. Yeah. And I don't know any other way. And I'm just trying to do better for myself and my family and yeah. us. And yeah, you have to give up some shit. But, like, I'm still Mexican. Yeah. That doesn't change. Well, for the longest time, Never. like, growing up, I was aspiring to be white. And I didn't even realize that. Right. Until... I found out what white culture was. You know what I mean? I was like, oh shit, that was what I was trying to be. Um, Because that's the narrative for us too. And even in in predominantly like Latinx Mexican communities, it's like, do all these things. and And what they don't say is like, we're just trying to make you white. Yeah. Or Hispanic. Yeah. And that's like the school systems. Like we're just trying to, yeah, that's. I mean, that was the school system I had. Is we were just trying. They were just trying to make us more white. Yeah, if you show more. any sort of promise or ability, it's like you're gonna get white as fuck. Or some. Yeah. You know, some like some some kids I grew up with whose parents were like adamant that they speak English, not Spanish, right. even though they couldn't really speak English. Right. Yeah. And so like these kids go to college and they go to first Chicano studies course and they're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my parents do. Oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of thing. That was my experience when I took my first Chicano studies class. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I was also taking a Chicano studies class with a bunch of white people. Yeah, in St. Cloud. <laughs> in St. Let's not overlook that tour. I was like, wait, what? Let's not overlook that. Because <laughs> that shit is wild. Yeah. And my professor, what a dick. I loved him, but, man, he would make me argue with them, you know? Why? Because, well, because he would talk about white privilege, and, of course, all these, like, 18, 19-year-old white kids are like, white privilege doesn't exist, and all this crap. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, have you ever experienced stereotyping? Have you ever experienced discrimination? White privilege does exist. And, like, they would all, like, you know, gang up on me, and I'm like, yelling at 
all of them, like, you know. And then, like, he would, then the professor would be like, okay, I need you to get in groups. And, like, nobody wanted to work with me, <laughs> you know. And I'd tell the professor, I was like, yo, Steve, like, can I do this project myself? And he said no. And I was like, who am I going to work with? Nobody wants to work with me. And then he would, like, make people, like, work with me. It was awful. Well, I stopped showing up <laughs> to well, class. You know, and some of it, and some of it's like, it's like the way we talk about white privilege doesn't encompass working class white folks in a way that's helpful to break down those, those concepts. Yeah. Because you went to a state school, a lot of those kids yeah. are down home kids. They don't have a lot of money. They don't feel privilege on a day to day basis because they're struggling too. Right. But yeah. they definitely still have privilege in comparison oh, yeah. to other people. For sure. But the way we talk about white privilege doesn't really dig into that shit. Mm. And so neither one of you are being served by that language or the presentation of that language. Yeah. No, they do need to understand like what whiteness means for them, but not. But they're also not that privileged either, right? And that's fair. Yeah, totally. Um, I just think he got a kick. Out. I think the professor just got a kick out of oh, it. I've like, heard about that guy. He's I, great. There's, he was so, great. I know so much shit about that guy. God, he was and great. I'm not going to talk about it in this podcast, but like, no, but <laughs> I know too much. And then Jimmy took over for him. Oh really? And then Jimmy went to is now a professor at U of M. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I guess Jimmy I'd... was out there for a couple of years. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it was <laughs> it was great. I mean, I had wonderful. There were wonderful moments. But yeah, um, I eventually stopped going to class because I w- I would have meetings with Steve outside of class, and I'm like, you need to stop making me fight with these white kids. <laughs> And he's like, well, how is they supposed to learn? And I was not like, I am me. Not- You're supposed to do that, dog. <laughs> right. I was like, I am not here to You're teach my people. Track. I'm not making any money. <laughs> I'm paying bills and shit. So <laughs> it's fucked up. It was fucked up. So he gave me an A, even though I stopped going to class. Shit, I did all the work. Well, yeah. You should have been paying you. I was like, dude, you should've need been to. been dropping st- bills on you. <laughs> to stop doing this. <laughs> should have been paying your ass. Right. Well, Fuck. if, oh, man, if I started billing people for how many times I had to educate them and yeah I'm getting to the point where I actually can bill people and it's really exciting lucky <laughs> I'm not there yet but I mean the thing is I stopped educating people like fuck it yeah. like it's not it's not worth it it's gotten to the point where like now I just pick my battles yeah well it's it's like I think I think the, the biggest thing I've been learning living in Minnesota interfacing with whiteness is that if you spend every day sort of you know quote unquote calling out whiteness or like examining whiteness or whatever then you were you you uh, you yourself are defined by whiteness yeah and that's not comfortable and that's not really what i'm for right like i want to define myself under my terms and i'm really not that interested in like constantly referring to whiteness no i want to celebrate what i'm doing i want to celebrate the community that i have all those things i want to be i want to have joy on a daily basis yeah. Talking about whiteness is not about joy. No, so not at all. But I do call it out when I think it's appropriate. I do take my fights. I do push back. It doesn't mean like I just let that shit blow over me either. No, but I mean like you do gotta pick your battles, and sometimes like you just you need to fight a bitch. You know what I mean? Like sometimes mm-hmm. you just gotta fucking fight it. But I mean, and I will. Yeah, same. I fucking will. But it's just there's, I'll call that shit out. But like, like I can't be here every day. No, it's just bad. No, it's corrosive. It's. Uh, I mean, it's it's not healthy, um, but I mean, I just, but we, still, we have to point it out. Though, like, we deal with this shit on the daily, all the, time. All the fucking time. I mean, we're doing it right now. Like, who's being most impacted by this virus? Like, working class people of color, right? Or either continuing to have to work because they can't work remotely, or more exposed to the virus itself, 
or are in living conditions where they're not safe or don't have access to regular food or don't have health insurance like this is a mess this is really exposing like the fundamental flaws of our society and it's deliberately most impacted on us not me specifically clearly because i'm very middle class and i'm taken care of and whatever and i recognize that but like yeah not everyone's in that situation no i am very fortunate that my place of work is actually giving us you know the hours still you know i mean it sucks that we have to go in but i also have to realize well at least i still have a job yeah um especially working in the arts where there's a lot of artists that are losing yeah. funds things are getting scheduled yeah money's not coming in no it is ugly out there it's pretty bad you know for like the uh, it's not that like I, you know, I I made a choice to move here twice, and I there's a lifestyle that I have here that I enjoy, and I found a lot of security, and I found my voice being a journalist in a way that I wouldn't have in Los Angeles. However, it's not always great, but like right now, I'm really grateful to live here because the sort of the impacts of this virus aren't as extreme as they are in the, the either coast. Right. Yeah, that's very in, true. In the Pacific Northwest, on the East Coast, like it's really bad. Yeah. It's really, really bad. And it's going to be bad here, too, but just not the same level. Yeah. I also have to say that at least Minnesota's in like medical insurance, health insurance is pretty decent compared to oh, like other sponsored one? yeah okay i mean it's decent it's not like the greatest but i mean compared to like the one in texas for example yeah. like yeah you're better taking care of here we have the mayo clinic down the road and they're right. inventing a new yep testing thing for the virus yep and then in terms of being queer uh i mean we do live in a bubble in terms of minneapolis st yeah. paul where There's it a is a lot of resources here yes for trans folks for queer folks <laughs> right Whereas again, like in El Paso, like yikes, and like, Califas is in right. So it's not all bad here, but I mean, there's just a lot of shit that we have to deal with, though. Yeah, it's a cost too. It's not easy every day. Right. It's just a different sort of situation. Yeah, we're California. selling out in a different way. I'm not selling out homes. <laughs> Man. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm selling out, but I mean, the thing is, though, I just, I'm doing what I can to survive and to get the word out there and to be a voice for the community that, you know, we're lacking. But we've talked about this a lot, though. Like, you're, you've been, you, you, I think through this podcast and other things you've been up to, like, you're in a situation where you're more often defining the terms of what, how your work is rather than having to just sort of accept whatever comes to you and right. taking it. Yeah. So it's been shifting for you too. It is. And it's just, it's a, it's a long process and long the process, process is going to keep going. Weighty. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So a lot work. of work. <laughs> but, be, um, that's how I know that I'm Mexican. Like I'm yeah. working hard all the time. <laughs> well, this, this was like the most ironic thing I, I finally realized the other day. It was like, Oh my God, I'm doing exactly what my dad did. I left LA for better opportunities and mm. those better opportunities weren't great. Like my dad went from hate code to LA, dealt with a lot of bigotry, a lot of racism. Both his wife's died. My mom died in fucked up ways cause she didn't have health insurance. And I was like, LA's not working for me. Yeah. And so I moved here because I have better economic opportunities because there's more easier access to things. Yeah. I was like, ah oh, shit. Cause I used to always joke that I'm a white collar migrant worker, but then I finally realized that's actually what my dad always did too. It's like damn. It's part of the diaspora. No. All the brown folks that end up here. 
Yeah. I love the many brown folks that I've met here, though. Like, some of them are even from El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, how right. in the fuck did we all end up here? Who knows? Because materially, it is better. Right. On, yeah. a, on strictly a material basis, right. it is better. And yeah. that's what that's what that was interesting about the mariachi guy in the show that's moving out to Riverside or whatever. Yeah. He's also a part of a diaspora, too. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's talking about rent. He's calling people to try to get a new apartment. He's living out of his van, not making enough money, selling himself to make more money. Right. And ultimately, he's just like, fuck it. I have to get out of here, even though everything I want is here. I mean, right. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's, it wasn't easy to move from SoCal. It wasn't easy. It's not easy to be away from my family. It's not easy to, like, be away from the things that have defined me. It's not easy to, like, be away from my parents' gravestones and not be able to visit them when I yeah. want to. But, like, I just needed to do the best for me. And right now, it's being here, even though it feels strange and confusing. And it's been seven years, and I still don't understand it. But, like, yeah. it was the better move for me. Yeah. Actually, today marks the anniversary that I moved to Minneapolis. I moved to Minneapolis eight years ago today on the Ides of March. On the Ides of March. And I did it on purpose for some reason. I just thought it would be cool that I moved on the Ides of March. Because you're theatrical. Because I'm theatrical and dramatic. And so... Um, but yeah, eight years ago today, I moved here and I like this morning I was reflecting on like on my eight years here and how I've changed and how I've I've really grown yeah. and um, kind of create pretty much I had to like create my identity here right. because I felt that in, in question. Right. Yeah. Because in El Paso, I felt like I didn't really have an identity. I was just like going with the flow, going with what was given to me, whereas I had to, I had to leave, you know, to better myself. And, and I didn't really realize how much I had to create for myself, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just really happy that like the world is finally catching up to queer Latinos. <laughs> like we're finally being shown everywhere and and I hate to use the word normalize, but I mean it's just becoming more common queerness and Latinoness. Um but it's because it's not just a question for like uh the white gays, it's also a question for our communities. Right. Right. So this isn't really specific to white folks that we're talking to. This is no. other brown folks, Latinx folks to say, hey, like we can't keep denying the existence of our queer family. Right. And that and the show is making major steps to do that yeah. by demonstrating the complexity of it. Mm-hmm. And all, I mean, you know, it's, it's something to be said too, like often queerness is represented through cisgender men. Yes. And it's really important that it's through women. Yes. And different types of women too. Exactly. I was going to say that too. Oh, sorry, that was yeah. re- no, no, no. Sorry, take no, 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 no. I'm glad you pointed that out because yeah, it's true. It wasn't a cis man that was queer. It's actually a cis woman and her partner is Afro-Latina. Yeah, and the cook, so, too. And the cook, too. I guess yeah, I'm assuming she's queer. Maybe she's not. I guess that isn't really established. That's but. true, but I think she's queer. she's So, yeah, that's the thing. Like, And, of course, like the, like, the queer male 
is the is, white is evil. The devil. Is the devil. Is the white so devil. I just, I love that. And he's like cheerful and happy. And he's like every sort of shady ass white person I have to deal with. Yeah, you know? totally. Like, like totally difficult to talk to because exactly. he's like so committed to his vision. And like, right. And he's doing the best and all this shit. Yes. Those are the most dangerous like mm-hmm. white folks that I deal with on a regular basis. Yeah, the ones that are woke. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think they talk about that too, how he's woke. And he, yeah, and, he, and he's able to, and this is the problem. This is like the complexity with her is that like, She's enabling him by agreeing to his month, his yep. funds, mm-hmm. right? And she's making it worse for all of us. Yeah, and she's not really understanding that. No, even at the end when she's resisting it, she's not really getting it either. Yeah, but that's what's happening, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, God, so many things. She's the validator. You know, she is. Mm. But so much the, complexity. It's some, yeah. But it's it just I just you can't get mad at her. No, you, you get it. You get, and that's why it's so. That's why it's such a good show because you can't get mad at anybody. No, you're just like y'all are just making tough choices in a bad situation. Yeah, and I get it because we all do that. Yep, we we're all struggle with that. We're all just trying to adapt to our surroundings because right. we have to. And I think that's what I was trying to talk about. Like, gentrification is like we have to adapt to it. Like we can't. Like yeah, we can fight it, but. We just, we, we have to adapt somehow because sometimes we can't, like, we're not going to win. You know, things are going to happen, like it or not. We just kind of have to just, we have to adapt. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's still about choosing our battles. Right, exactly. And so it feels like with gentrification often, it's like, fine, it's happening, you're putting up your fucking coffee shops, whatever. However, let's make sure there's some affordable housing. <laughs> At least, <laughs> yeah. or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, I was really sad because, like, on Lake Street, you know, they got rid of um, Los yeah. Campo. Well, they just moved it down the street, I guess. Well, they moved it down the street, but they're building. They're bringing it back, though. Yeah, yeah? they're. Which is yeah. When you pass by, it's like, confusing. of course, all the pretty condos are going are going yeah. up, but like underneath the condos is a new that, Los Campo, yeah. like a fancy one. So they're gonna be like the brown validator of this like weird luxury complex. Yep. That dynamic is confusing and strange. It's going to be weird. And I'm not going to want to go to it because there's I'm just going to be a bunch of white people yeah. in there. And they don't I'm, want me to translate. I don't want right. to be like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. No, Ugh. no, no. That's, uh, that's too much. It is. That's why I was really happy when La Michoacan opened up over there because the menu was in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> like everything they were militant about that. Spanish. I love it. There's like two. There's like yeah, two there Michoacanas. is two. Yeah, and like I remember me and my friend went in and we were like, oh my god, everything's in Spanish. Yeah, it felt like they won. Like, yeah, like for me at least, that's my point of reference. And just like there was like you know there was like a few white people in there and they were just really confused. And I was like, <laughs> they had no you have idea. to sit there with right. your confusion. Exactly for enjoy real. It. You have to yeah. Yeah, this is what we feel like in your spaces. Yeah, get out of my living room. However, enjoy the ice cream because it's fucking bomb. Yeah, but buy a lot of it. <laughs> this, lot. Is, this is what you have to do. Right, exactly. <laughs> to buy a lot. Of <laughs> Keep this business thriving. <laughs> but I remember, like, Amanda actually was, you know, Amanda, she was on the show. Uh, but Amanda and I went and we're like, we're not telling any white people about this place. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Amanda ever get her uh, sunroof? I don't know, actually. I just feel like I can't stop clowning her about it until she gets it. So I'm kind of looking forward to her not getting it. <laughs> you're getting clowned, Amanda. Enjoy. <laughs> you can't talk back, but I know you're gonna get you're gonna get me one day. <laughs> she always. Are you still doing your birthday party? Yep. Uh, I Amid mean, this crisis. Uh, I mean, that's okay. So I've been thinking about it. We have to buy, find some hand sanitizer somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, yes. It's not safe for me to throw this party. No, I mean it is if we're thoughtful about it. Right. I mean, there was just. 
I was thinking about other logistics of what I wanted to do, and I was like, mm, that doesn't sound healthy, <laughs> you know, but... We still have to find our joy somehow. Right, exactly. In crisis. And, um, I mean, I've... I'll have, a, I'll have a thermometer by then. <laughs> Great. So we'll just test everybody as they walk in. <laughs> it's good enough for the White House. It's good right. enough for us. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's not, not even... get in there because we're almost no. done with time. Um, but, yeah, I'm going yeah, to have my party. I mean, I've at least I've, like, decreased... Dec- yeah, decrease. Very selective. So very sorry to mention selective. it. If you haven't gotten the invitation, don't get You're offended. not invited. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just there's, these are times of trouble. Right. We have to be careful. Although, like, I looked at the guest list and I'm like, it's still too long. But I'm pretty sure. I'm, in, I'm invited, right? Well, obviously. Duh. Or do I have to just quarantine myself upstairs? No. no. Oh my god, that'd be so stupid. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just yell down the vent. Is it fun? <laughs> Are you having a good time? Stay away from my tequila. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be warm enough where we can use the backyard and that'll help space things out. I doubt it, but I mean like... It's yeah. getting warmer. Yeah. But I mean like, yeah, like it was supposed to be 10, but I think now it's up to like 15. Oh my God. But then I, I, but then I was like, okay, no, no more. <laughs> We're capping no it. But I, I don't think, I'll, I don't think everybody will show up. I'll get a fire going and right. this will be warmer All right. in the back. So we'll yeah. figure it out, we'll but it's going it to be great. It's going to be great. We'll figure it out. All right. Okay. Mm, any party words? <laughs> Um, what are my parting words? Usually, I tell the guests too, but I feel like I should say something. We're the guests, though. We, of, we're the our, guests of your show of the of no man the yes. Well, if you have thoughts about the show, please write them in the comment section. Do we have a comment section? I don't think we do have Does a comment exist? section. Which uh, I know that's a problem. I just thought about that because I kept yeah. referencing that. Well, you can comment on the Facebook. Yeah, when we post you can it on comment Facebook. on the Facebook, and I think you'll have to go back and find it and then comment. Is there any comments on MN Pod? Maybe oh, and Spotify. Well, Spotify, Spotify doesn't no. have comments. Uh, Apple Transistor doesn't have comments. Does Apple Podcast? Apple has have? a review, oh, but not comments. Yeah, yeah. And that so, wouldn't work. Maybe the MN Podcast thing. Right. Actually, All right. We need to figure this out. I don't we have need... it. I don't even know entirely. Well, if I put it on no what that good, you can do comments. Okay. There. Maybe I'll do that. Or just I'll do send that. me an email and then like I'll just no no no. I'll put it. I'll do it. I'll put. I'll put it on no what that good. You can push it from there. Okay. How does that sound? All right. That actually, you know, that'll be better because then we can be more specific about the photo too. True. Yes. And deal with that weird problem. Great. So I guess like my my words to the community is is one of my one of my quotes that I usually tell people is um, in order to love ourselves, we must be free to be ourselves. Mm. So that's what I'm leaving everybody with. Do you have any words of wisdom? Just, you know, wash your hands. <laughs> Thoroughly, please. Yes, wash your hands. Thoroughly. And, <laughs> Thoroughly. and I guess I apologize to everybody that's not invited to my party. So <laughs> on that note, bye. Once it gets better, we'll invite you to a bigger party. <laughs> we have to be selective. Right, exactly. For the, for the safety of the community. For the safety of the community, you're not invited. Yeah. <laughs> Just good, kidding, I love you one. all. I love you all. Bye. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. Bye.